two bales fell from the top of the pile behind me, bounced on the floor and then hit me face first into the concrete floor. True Trauma Tales, treating life-changing injuries at the Leeds Major Trauma Centre. So I broke my right leg, the tibia and fibula open fracture. My right femur, my pelvis was shattered in multiple places. My L2 vertebrae was fractured and I had complex facial fractures. So my eye sockets, nose, jaw was hanging off on one side. Just a mess. To be honest, it took weeks for me to really figure out what was going on. I thought I was just going to stand up and walk out of hospital. That's how, <laughs> that's how delusional I was about it. Hello and welcome to episode two of True Trauma Tales, where we tell the stories of six people who were treated at Leeds Major Trauma Centre following life-changing accidents. In this episode, we meet Grace, who went from being a competitive horse rider, a runner, a snowboarder, to breaking bones all the way from her head down to her toes. We talk about her mindset and how that's helped her recovery and the effect the accident on her family farm has on her on a daily basis. We also meet Emma, who is the lead occupational therapist here at Leeds Major Trauma Centre and look at the work that she does to help patients create a new normal and thrive. I've always been in sport since I was little, like cross-country running and netball and hockey at school. But my main interest has been horse riding. I was competing regularly as well. I also uh, snowboard as well in the last yeah, seven, eight years, started snowboarding as well. Um, so yeah, just generally quite an active outdoor person. I work in IT. I work on Oracle databases. Um, so I have a desk job. <laughs> uh, I have the horses and I also now have a, the farm that I inherited from my dad as well. Wow. So, so really busy. Busy. <laughs> so tell me a little bit then about, you know, the day that, that your accident happened. What, where were you? What was what was going on? We've actually been in lockdown for pretty much all the summer, um, which had been annoying because my horse that I had at the time was ready to go out and compete and things. Um, and I remember that week they'd said that competitions could restart. Um, and I'd entered my horse for a competition that weekend. Everything was going great. We'd done some training. Fantastic. So on the day of the accident, I'd been at work. I actually remember I had to be up early for work the next day, like really early. So it must have been a weekday. And um, we had contractors in the field baling the hay. It was late season. So usually we want to bale sort of end of June, start of July. But it was the end of July and there was a storm coming. So we needed to get the hay in. So they were in the field bailing like mad and then just trying to bring it into the barn. Um, so I was sort of on the ground putting pallets down on the floor um, so that the bales could go on top of the pallets and allows airflow to go underneath to stop mould and stop fires and things. My whole family were there actually because uh, since my dad passed away, we kind of have come together. My mum was there, my sister was there, my brother-in-law was there, and my niece. My sister was actually heavily pregnant. I think she was a week overdue at that point. Um, so it was a bit of like, a, we all look after the farm, we'll all go up. Um, so yeah, I was on the ground doing the, putting the pallets down and been stacking the bales up. And then I put another pallet down and I walked away from the bales. So I was my back to them. And as I was nearly out of the building, the stack collapsed behind. Um, so they don't really know why sometimes because the bales are wrapped in string, a string can break, the bales can be uneven in size could be the way that was stacked could have been anything um but yeah so two bales fell from the top of the pile behind me bounced on the floor and then hit me from behind so face first into the concrete floor 
And how heavy are the bales? About half a ton each. Wow. About the heaviest when they've just been bailed. <laughs> Must have come at you then with some force to actually knock you face first. Yeah, so it landed just on top of me. So it was, I was trapped underneath it. And then the other one that had bounced landed on my right leg. And how much of it do you remember? Not a lot. Um, my mum remembers everything, sadly. And um, because my family was there to witness everything. Um, but I was sedated by the paramedics because apparently I was trying to stand up. Um, but I know that my brother-in-law pushed the bale off me that was on top of me, uh, which is no easy feat for one person to push one of those bales. Um, and then I think the other one was lifted by the fire brigade. But when the paramedics arrived, I was in such a state that they just sedated me at that time. Um, I do remember in the ambulance asking what had happened and they just said, oh, you've been hit by a hay bale. And it's like, all right, let's go back, <laughs> go back to sleep, I guess. Um, and then next thing I know, I woke up after the surgery, after the first round of surgery. That must have been disorientating and just bizarre experience to wake up and suddenly you're in hospital and you get told all these things have happened. Yeah, definitely. And actually, when I woke up, um, I couldn't open my eyes because my face was fractured really badly and it was really swollen. And I remember someone putting a pen in my hand and asking me to sign to go back in surgery because I was awake. They had to get me to agree. And I remember just signing this with my eyes closed and then off I went back under and then I woke up again after more surgeries. It was just a blur, to be honest. And so... How did you find out what was wrong with you, what had happened? To be honest, it took weeks for me to really figure out what was going on. I don't know whether it was like all the morphine or um, I was very confused and I had four surgeons. So although I would see them all individually, I hadn't really pieced together the whole puzzle. Um, and I suppose it was good if someone had walked up to me and said, oh, by the way, here's the list of injuries. I would have, yeah, that was a bit much. So um, each surgeon would come and speak to me about what they'd done and what might happen and that part of the surgery. But until maybe two weeks in, I thought I was just going to stand up and walk out of hospital. That's how, that's how delusional I was about it. <laughs> wow. So yeah. I've read a little bit about the list of your injuries and they were, I mean, extensive is one word for them. Um yeah. Can you run through the damage that those bales did? Yeah, so I broke on my right leg the tibia and fibula uh, open fracture. So I woke up with an Elizabeth frame on my leg, which is like a scaffolding around your bone. Um, my right femur, um, which was the one that nearly did me in because of the blood loss. Um, my pelvis was shattered in multiple places. My L2 vertebrae was fractured and I had complex facial fractures. So my eye sockets, nose, jaw was hanging off on one side. Like just a mess all over. <laughs> but to look at you today, I would have absolutely no idea. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's um so it was a a horrible accident, but lucky in so many ways. No organs were damaged. No joints were damaged. Every break was sort of off the joint. No, I didn't break my knees, I didn't break my hip, my hip bones, my hip joints was able to use my arms afterwards which was a great help you know just being able to use your phone or eat or whatever that bit of independence so horrible accident but somehow also very lucky the way the injuries that I did get were fixable to a point and do you know how many people here at the LGI actually were involved in your care I know there was at least four surgeons um 
Prof G has told me he was quite pleased with the way that the major trauma team came together because not often someone has injuries all the way down the body from the face, pelvis, spine and leg um, and it needed so many specialty areas and a decision of how we're going to fix her and you know and I, I couldn't do all the surgery at once so what 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 order are you going to do things in it must have been I don't know how many hours that took I have no idea I know that my sister had a baby in that time so <laughs> I guess quite a few um but uh yeah and then I was in one-on-one care for a week and then here in the trauma ward after that and is it strange or what does it feel like being back here today yeah, it is, it is really strange. I, I remember being pushed out um, in the wheelchair because I couldn't walk um, by my partner. And as I was walking in, I remember I was struggling with the wheelchair outside because it was our first experience of using that and how terrified I was in that wheelchair, uh, out of completely out of control of in my whole life, basically, is how it felt. And um, yeah, it's weird, really strange being back, really strange. Because psychologically, you know, it obviously it would be psychologically difficult for anybody but for somebody who is so fit and healthy and so involved in so many different sports that must have been particularly difficult to wrap your head around yeah my um well one thing was was covid was happening at the time so didn't feel like I missed out on a whole lot because <laughs> no one was doing anything anyway. I mean, if there's time to have an injury, I guess. It wasn't like I was watching everyone go snowboarding because no one could fly anywhere, could they, or anything like that. So, um, But my focus is always forward. I don't know where I've got that from. Him. My dad, um, he was always like that. I am just thinking, right, when, what do I need to do to get back uh, doing? And I had to make cut, like sacrifices. I thought certain sports, I'm never going to do those again. What's really important to me? and what was important to me at the time was getting back on my horse and that's all I did. I worked towards that. But since then I've started snowboarding again. Um, but I don't I don't run anymore. So I used to do quite a lot of running and I can't do that anymore, but it's not my major passion. So move on, try something else. We did uh, scuba diving instead now, that sort of thing. So just got to change your focus and keep moving forward. And with that, are there any positives that have come with this? Yeah, I actually uh, know how to relax now, which I, <laughs> as you can imagine from how I told you what my life was like before, I did not sit down and relax and and I didn't realise, I thought I was doing everything and enjoying it, but I, I guess I never really sat back and enjoyed it. So like, for example, I would uh, do the horses, go to the gym, go to work, come home, ride the horses, eat, go to sleep pretty much. And at the time I never enjoyed like thought oh I really love horse riding I really enjoy this and I should appreciate this moment that I've got riding my horse I just did it and I was like well what's next dinner's next oh now I'm tired now it's bed and it's always the next thing whereas now I don't do that anymore I don't overwork myself I if I'm riding my horse that's where my focus is I don't think about what's coming next what am I doing after this I'm concentrating on that and I enjoy it because I know that one day I won't be able to do it again and that's exactly what happened just wiped away from me you don't know when you when you you're not going to see someone or you're not going to be able to do that that activity again. So just take the moment to enjoy it, and um, yeah, now I relax as well and watch Netflix and do other things <laughs> that other people do normally. I suppose. <laughs> now we're here with Emma. Do you remember Emma worked with you when you were in hospital? I remember very well because Emma was the only reason I could go home. Um, I don't know if you remember what you did for me. <laughs> um, I know. I know the. Because of your injuries, you're in a wheelchair. 
when you initially left the ward, which comes from an occupational therapy perspective, comes with a, a lot of logistical complications. People don't have properties that are readily made for wheelchair use and accessibility. So a lot of our role is looking at that logistics with family and figuring out how this person returns to being able to do the things that they need to do to leave the hospital. Um, And it's just so interesting listening to Grace because, and it's weird what you remember, and I remember Grace's family saying, she never stops. She she never stops. And um, whilst we're here in hospital, obviously we have a priority, things we need to prioritise to getting Grace to return to. And that is things like being able to get out of bed, being able to use the toilet for grace, being able to make, like basically being able to make your, your needs known when you've got your facial fractures, just being able to use pen and paper if you need to, but obviously giving you that quick and easy way of telling the nurses that you're in pain and things like that. So the scope of OT input with grace was huge really from the offset right up into the point of discharge. So yeah, there's lots to talk about really. And um, so you, you were saying grace that, the reason why you were able to leave hospital was because of Emma. What's your recollection? So I could not move my right leg in particular because of the weight of the frame and because I'd been laid, my legs had just wasted away. I had no muscle, whatever. Uh, And because of that, I could not get out of bed. So I couldn't go to the toilet by myself and I couldn't get into the wheelchair. And Although I could use my arms and shuffle my upper body, because of my spinal injury, I couldn't reach down and pick the frame up either, which is apparently what most people would do to move that around. Um, and we we were there for days, weren't we? Can you move your leg? And I couldn't. And I was getting really frustrated because I, all I needed to do was get out of bed and then I could go home. Um, and then Emma came up with a great idea and she almost put like a handle over the frame so that I could reach this handle and then I could lift my leg and I could manoeuvre it around until I was strong enough to lift it. And as soon as you did that, I was able to move, wasn't I? I was able to go to the toilet, I was able to get out of bed. Life-changing, just that just that one thing. <laughs> Sometimes it's the little things that have a big impact. And I think as when you're working in, in the NHS and you've got limited resources, you come equipped for problem solving and occupational therapists are often renowned for being problem solvers. It must be a really interesting, (laughs) I mean, it must be an interesting job anyway, you know, wherever it is that you work, you know, in a hospital or in the community. But, you know, hearing Grace speak about this handle (laughs) and the huge difference that it's made and it's just completely left field and you've just... Feel like we're glamorizing it, and it won't have been anything sophisticated, would it, Grace? Oh no, it's actually just a piece of rope. It was just, <laughs> a, it was just the thought of it. I just, yeah. Um, and it, and it is literally just trying to think outside the box sometimes. And I think when you train to be an occupational therapist, you you, you live in an idealistic world. Um, and working in major trauma is an idealistic world. There is no isolated injury here, like Grace has explained. Patients might have injuries head to toe. And you're taught at university to think about an isolated head injury, an isolated pelvic fracture, an isolated cardiac problem, for example. You don't think about the combination of all of them together. And that's the complexity of being an occupational therapist here in the major trauma centres. I would say every patient's combination of injuries is like finding the same fingerprint on someone. Every person you're seeing you're having to think about that combination of injuries and you can't duplicate what 
like what we did with Grace, we might not have that combination of injuries again for for someone else. I've been in major trauma quite a while now, so I've been here about six years, and I've learned something every day. And I guess it must be interesting because you have to be involved with every other sort of clinician. You have to work together as a huge team, which I does that does that happen elsewhere to such an extent? Um, we do talk about the major trauma centre being a family, and that's what we're striving for every single day. Um, and I work so closely with the physiotherapists, but with everyone here, really. So when we talk about occupation, we're talking about those meaningful tasks, the things that we all take for granted. So the things like physios will want to look at getting someone to walk or being able to get out of bed. For me, that's tapping into what Grace is saying, being able to go off the board in a wheelchair, being able to use a, a commode or a toilet, and um, being able to sit to have a wash at the sink, those kind of things. So um, definitely physio and OT work hand in hand, but we couldn't do it without the nurses because the nurses will often ask them to optimise someone's pain because we know that getting someone out of bed and moving them with some quite complex injuries is going to be painful. We liaise with the doctors to feedback that what needs to happen before this person can go home. Often here, um, and Grace Grace isn't a local Leeds resident, sometimes we need to get patients in a more local hospital to enable the occupational therapist to go and look at that property. Um, since COVID, we have had learnt new skills in terms of doing things a little bit more remotely. So if we're in a luxury of a position where family can take measurements of door widths or take lots of photos and videos of property as a second pair of eyes really that really massively helps as well so yeah absolutely we we can't you can't do your job in isolation here and for you grace what's been the hardest thing everything was hard it was all hard (laughs) there's no denying um every day was difficult every day was a new challenge and as soon as you've completed one challenge, just the next one comes along and the next one. Um, so it's just a constant trying to move forward. And you often forget where you came from. Um, like I don't really think of myself as laying in the hospital bed unable to get out. Um, I think now, oh, well, what could I do to maybe start running again? That's my focus. I don't really look back very much. And um, sometimes it's good too. So you can see where I've come from and should give yourself a little pat on the back <laughs> absolutely uh, for doing that but yeah I um I just found just daily something new to work on uh, through recovery because the mental grit it must take to do that because obviously once you've had your surgery and it, you get to a point where it, it it's down to you now like you are still broken and it's down to you to do your exercises or whatever it is you need to do daily hourly you know and that that's not a short task. No, it's not. But I had my family. I went to live with my mom and my partner came with me as well. So they were around me all the time. Um, and my mom's very strict. <laughs> we were up at eight. There was no lions. There was physio. <laughs> I was eating properly, you know, and that's just exactly what I needed. That routine exactly what I needed. And every day I just got up and I tried to progress that little bit further. I think one of my problems is that I'd was insistent that I progress every day and some days you can't, you just need to. I look back and I say, I wish I'd just rested that day because that day was too much for me. And some, you know, I think that's probably my problem. You've got to, some days it's just is what it is and fight again the next day, isn't it? And yes, you can't do something every day. (laughs) It's well done, Grace, because we can do 
half of the work here really but the effort and the energy and the hard work come comes from you so you are huge huge credit to how you've recovered thank you you should be like I'm sure as a family everyone's incredibly proud of you did you think you would recover to the extent you've recovered we didn't know um I was sort of told by the surgeons I might make an 80 percent recovery but my theory on that was 80 percent of what because <laughs> what is 100 percent of what I can do, what I was doing, I was running, I was riding, I was snowboarding. So 8% doesn't sound too bad of that, does it? Um, but I think it was just the best guess. And we didn't really know if I was going to have long-term pain. Um, I do have nerve damage from the spinal injury and I didn't know how that would affect me. And it does affect me, but you've got to learn to adapt um, and and just focus on what you, what you can do. Um, so no, we didn't know. And I'm still recovering now. I think people think oh, you're up and walking again, so you're fine, but I'm still building muscle, I'm still building stamina and strength and having to do a lot of stretching and yoga and things because I've got a lot of scar tissue and tightness and everything. So I'll be fighting this for the rest of my life, to be honest. Uh, it doesn't stop, even though it looks like I'm I'm better. It's Yeah, it doesn't end. Every day my injuries affect me. Um, picking stuff up is my main thing. I'm not really supposed to lift anything heavy because my spinal injury but bending over in general, picking up washing or a washing basket or um, just doing my shoelaces, it, I'm stiff in my back and my pelvis and everything. And so people won't see that and won't look at me and think, oh, she's struggling to do her shoelaces up. But for me, in my head, I think, oh, you know, that wasn't right. I still got work to do here. Can I make this better? Can I make this less painful for myself and and things? So every every day I still have to work on it. It's a great attitude to have. Here's a situation that I'm not happy with. What can I do to not just make the best of it, but to change it? I'm, I'm uh, very lucky with my mental health. I'm Yeah, I've been very lucky. I don't really suffer with um, any depression or mental health problems, which I think for a lot of people that is very difficult. That is a battle of its own. Um, so, yeah, I do I do count myself very lucky in that sense because it's not, not easy for people to have that motivation if you've got other things going on and... So everyone's journey is completely different and it's not the same for everyone, for sure. For Grace, it was really helpful because she had a toolkit of things that make you happy and you get a great sense of enjoyment from and they became your goals. So in, in rehab and recovery, we talk about therapy goals and they're the reason why we're doing the basic things is to get back to those important things. And because Grace had a wealth of things to get back to that she wanted to do, that's your motivation really so here we always try and connect it back to yes appreciate that this doesn't look like snowboarding when you're trying to get out of bed and use a wheelchair or um stand for the first time but they're the building blocks to enable you to go back to doing those things so uh, for me it's really important to connect the dots for patients in that early recovery stage we're doing it now it is painful but we're doing this now for long-term gain and when you see patients and and they come in and the first time you see them and you, as you said you're talking about things like helping a patient have a wash in a sink helping a patient get out of bed into a wheelchair and then hearing grace talk about oh now i'm horse riding and now i'm going snowboarding like <laughs> does that blow your mind as much as it blows uh, my mind absolutely and it just makes it all worthwhile and it's it's quite emotional listening to grace and, and seeing grace today because as a clinician you often don't get that closure you don't 
know you say goodbye to a patient here on the ward, you might never see them again. We hope you never see them again because you never want them in this situation again. Um, But you spend a lot of time with them. You get to know them and listen to Grace talk about what's meaningful to her and what makes her happy. As an occupational therapist, they're the things that we're thinking about wanting that person to return to eventually. And so to hear Grace thriving and being able to do those things that she gets so much fulfillment from is incredibly special. Coming up in our next episode. I went round to help my mum. I could just see her panicking inside the car and I just remember getting to her car door and seeing these headlights coming towards us and I thought, someone's noticed that we were struggling. Someone come and help us. And then the next thing I knew, I was being run over by a tractor. That's Lucy, whose life changed in an instant when she was just 19 and involved in a devastating car accident. The biggest thing for me was obviously the amputation, which was the removal of my right leg and my right side of my pelvis. I had basically my vagina amputated. I lost a lot of that tissue, so I was left with an exposed cervix, which they'd moved around to my back. One of my consultants, they said the only thing that they can compare my injuries to was someone who'd been blown up in Afghanistan. You can find out more about her journey and her time at the Major Trauma Centre at Leeds Teaching Hospital's NHS Trust in our next episode, which is out on Tuesday at 8am.